1: It's Live in the Bream with host of Fox News at night, Shannon Bream.
0: This week on Live in the Bream, you're used to seeing him on television with us. I'm very excited he's giving us time for podcast as well. He's a columnist with The Hill and a Fox News contributor, media critic, and bon vivant. Is that a word they still use? I, I don't have no know. idea
1: what that means.
0: <laughs> Joe Concha, welcome to Live in the Brain.
1: You know I don't speak Spanish, English, please. <laughs> right, right.
0: Um, but you speak all kinds of other languages, uh, which is helpful in this media um, malu that we're what in a right now. Great
1: pivot on your part.
0: Well, I'm just saying. You know, I I, I like to master the segue. Mm-hmm. Not the little thing that would ride around. remember, by the way, when they told us that was going to change civilization. Yeah, and it didn't. I don't even see them anymore.
1: Do they still it's exist? It's all the same. It's it's that. And, I mean, and the walking... only thing that's going to change it is cat food uh, being served in Italian <laughs> restaurants. <laughs> that's
0: right. Uh, yes, Joe and I did outnumber together today, and mm-hmm. one of our stories was about a pop up fancy feast restaurant based on the cat food flavors, but for humans.
1: Yeah. Would you eat it? Would you try it? I'm a dog guy, and whenever Me I go too. to like my friends' apartments that have food. cats, yeah, they had that it has that scent. You oh, can't quite get oh, away from. Uh oh. So I won't be able to get that out of my mind. You've seen Anchorman.
0: Oh yes, I have. <laughs> you know, I'm Ron Burgundy.
1: Yeah, well I'm Ron Burgundy, but at <laughs> one point uh, he tells San Diego to go yes, blank itself, right? Yes. And then the restaurant that used to treat him like an A-list celebrity right. then made him eat cat poop.
0: Yes, that's Which is the right. way said it, that's right? right. You would eat
1: the cat poop. Oh, my god. I'm goodness. not going to eat cat food. That's um, not going to happen. So you're
0: not, eating, you're not even e- eating human cat food inspired, but human food. You're not going <laughs> right? to try it. I remember when I was little, I actually had a couple of um, older cousins who tried to trick me eat- into eating dog biscuits. They oh. act like they were eating them and I should try a bite, too. Um, I was on to them. Wow. I was very naive as a kid, but for some reason I was onto the dog biscuit trick. I think my husband said that he tried it because he's the youngest of six and they were always doing crazy stuff
1: well, like I was that. worse, Shannon.
0: What did, did you eat Actually, uh, So we food? had
1: collies growing up, so we, we would give them the dry food and then the Alpo, which is the wet right, food.
0: Right. That's the fancy stuff. Rich people, we could not afford that. Our Alpo was uh, considered? Well, because it came in a can and it was moist and juicy and all that, that's right?
1: That's the thing. So when you're eight or nine years old and you're tasked with feeding the dog, I was like, this looks pretty good. Uh-oh. And I kind of liked it. You did? I, would, I wouldn't I would eat the whole can, but I would have like a couple little.
0: <laughs> Wait, this is more than once?
1: Yeah. Oh. oh, like almost every time I fed the dog. It was like a little appetizer before oh, my microwave man. hot dog what that my mom would make What did it taste like? It tasted like kind of like meatloaf. Okay. Okay. But Just there's
0: a sauce. I'm scared of the sauce.
1: Meatloaf with a, a sauce you've never quite tasted before. Right. But it wasn't horrible. Okay. The dog, good enough for the dog, good enough for me.
0: Okay, um, I have, I will confess to this, there are bakeries now that you know just do treats for dogs and cats or whatever. Because they're very low in sugar, they're different than the way we would eat a cookie, but they look just as good. And I've been very tempted to try them to see what they taste like. But everybody says they taste very dull because compared to human food. Um, it's just a different taste palette for pets.
1: Didn't you know when we w- stepped into this room that this conversation would go in this direction? I this did soon?
0: not. We have so many other things thought <laughs> we were talking about. Not, not about tasting pet food, but Joe confirms he's done it. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about some other things um, like media, mm-hmm. which you cover all the time. And there's this, you know, you talked about this today. Often when we look at stories right now under the current administration with the last name Biden, Hunter Biden, but we often say, what if this was Eric Trump? What if it was somebody who with a laptop with a ledge, you know drug use and potential tax issues and whatever a lot of allegations a lot of investigations going on right Mm -hmm. now they would be covered completely differently one of the stories you were talking about was paul pelosi the um husband of house speaker nancy pelosi um we've had continued coverage on what happened with his alleged dui and he's pled not guilty in court today um but you make a good point would that be covered differently if it was a different last name
1: well of course and you see the studies on this, the Media Research Center. They're conservative, but they watch the ABC, CBS, NBC newscasts. And before you dismiss them as, well, no one really watches those anymore. They still, when you add up all their audiences, Millions. get 20, 20 million a mm-hmm. night, right? That's mm-hmm. that's a pretty big number. And what they decided to do in their rundown, right? And we know the rundown, of course, is when you have a show and you decide certain topics are going to make it into there that you believe are newsworthy and that your audience would find compelling, No mention of this whatsoever, Mm -hmm. which is really astonishing Mm because, again, to that point, if this is Jared Kushner, the husband of Ivanka Trump or Ivana Trump, I'm sorry this would get big, big coverage and you'd be talking about white privilege probably, Mm -hmm. of uh, elite privilege, and the fact that, boy, he could have killed somebody and the charges are far, far too small compared to what could have happened here. Because really, you're in a Porsche, you crash into somebody, what if the passengers in the other car weren't wearing a a Mm seatbelt? Then the charges change based on how hurt you get? I mean, you're the legal expert. Mm -hmm. Why, uh, when Lee Zeldin, the congressman who's running for governor in New York, got attacked in New York, Mm -hmm. and Somebody was trying to stab him in the neck. Mm-hmm. He there It was such a small charge because he wasn't hurt ultimately because people jumped in. I don't get that because mm-hmm. the person wasn't hurt enough. It's the intent, right? I thought intent meant a lot.
0: You, listen, in most crimes it does. You have to have that for some of the more serious charges, certainly right. felonies and other things. Um, but you make a good point with the, the Zeldin charge. And he was so... I think, prescient to say, hey, this guy will be out tomorrow. Because he based was. on New York laws, he was. Yeah. Um. You know. But I think when we looked at these stories, it's not that um, anybody should want to pile on Paul Pelosi. I Even mean, it's a serious incident that happened. I think the question is always, though, if it was me, if mm-hmm. I did this exact same thing, um, this was part of our conversation, too. Would I be treated the same way? Would I get the same rights? Would I get the same deference? Um, and most people feel like, when it's an elite and, and they'll listen, they'll look at people, whether de- Democrats or Republican, if you're somebody who's a big name or celebrity, do you get treated differently in the judicial system? And a lot of times you can point to
1: examples that say yes, absolutely. And and you look at California in general, this is what drives people crazy. They Hear Gavin Newsom saying you must wear a mask, particularly to kids as young as four years old. Wear a mask in public, outside, doesn't matter, right? Then he goes to the French Laundry restaurant in Napa, and then this is before vaccines, mind you, and with 12 other people, obviously not vaccinated, indoors, and they're all eating and everything's okay. And then he has the audacity to apologize but say, well, it wasn't for that long. There's always an excuse, right? Then you think he learns his lesson, but he doesn't. He goes to the NFC Championship game. Mm -hmm. That was Rams, 49ers, and then the Super Bowl, obviously, Rams, Bengals. Both played in the same venue, SoFi Stadium, Los Angeles. Uh, And sure enough, there he is, not wearing a mask, taking pictures, flaunting it almost. Mm -hmm. And then when confronted by the rare reporter that will say, hey, wait a minute, you're breaking your own rules. Remember, outside of SoFi during the Super Bowl, there was a youth band of like 8 to 10-year-olds that was playing all with masks on, outside. <laughs>
0: but listen, we were told the people who were in there taking pictures together were holding their breath. Holding their breath. Some of them told us they were holding their breath while not wearing their mask while doing a picture.
1: That's the worst since I didn't inhale with Clinton, right? Just own <laughs> up to it. Like, yeah, hey, I shouldn't have broke the rule. I was taking a picture. I put it right back on. No, I held my breath and therefore... And that was the district attorney, wasn't it, of Los Angeles I, I'm County? I'm trying to remember who
0: it was, Eric I think Garcetti. it was. I
1: think it might have been. That's right. So we see it time and again with all these leaders, whether it's uh, Lightfoot in Chicago, whether it's Bowser in Washington, D.C., whether it's, Flo- uh, who is it? Um, she's got that uh, name that's named after certain London Breed in San Francisco. <laughs> mm-hmm. All these people, massless, uh, and breaking their own rules. And, and they say this with, see this with Paul Pelosi, and they say, this is just more of the swamp protecting itself. And that's why, Donald Trump was elected, and to a certain extent, Barack Obama was elected because he was seen as an outsider. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm shocked still that Joe Biden won and got his nomination only because he's been an insider for 50 years. And I thought we were rejecting that by now.
0: Yeah. I mean, gosh, there's so much we could talk about with 2020 and and voter moods and what was going on there. And in the middle of a pandemic, it was just like, I don't think any other election will ever line up with the weirdness that was going on um, Mm. with the issues and frustrations and all those things that were going on. Um, But. Okay, I I was going to ask this question in a way that let me be careful with this. What about <laughs> people who say the "what aboutism" stuff? Is not a workable, you know, uh, conversation. If you're going to point to other people, but what about, what if the last name was Trump or what, you know, that it's not a valid way to think about covering these stories.
1: It completely is. And we saw that this week with uh, Paul Krugman, for example, right? And he's with the New York Times and he won a Nobel Prize, I believe, for economics. And he continually gets things wrong when it comes to economic predictions. So in writing, in the New York Times, in print with his byline, he said at one point, Couple of years ago, that if you have two consecutive quarters of negative growth, that therefore is a recession. Mm-hmm. It's in writing. Mm-hmm. Now he says under this Democratic administration that no, you throw those rules out the window. So yes, I am allowed to say you said this at one point. Now you're saying this. What changed? It's called precedent, right? Mm-hmm. So when you bring up Trump, Trump is the precedent. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of sounding like a lawyer right here. I know. I'm impressed. Thank you. You play one on radio. <laughs> <trying>. On <laughs> So that's the precedent. So yeah, it's not what about it is. Uh, that's an easy way to say I've lost the argument. It's precedent and it's allowed and it should be allowed because certain administrations are covered one way and when the same exact situation comes up another one's covered another way.
0: Well, what do you make of the fact that this this uh, media, there are some in this media now who are sort of turning on the Biden administration. Uh, they're acknowledging that there are very difficult poll numbers out there. There are very difficult issues out there. This mm-hmm. White House, they think, is floundering um, that the media team over there is not doing the best job they could do for this president. Um, they're quoting not just anonymous people saying that they have questions and they don't want him to run again, but now people are going on the record with them. So yeah. normally um, we think of, quote, mainstream media as being kind to Democratic administrations. Um, But now the White House is pushing back and there is some feeling of like, they're being too
1: hard on President Biden and his that, administration. That's fascinating. But when you have a president that's polling lower than any president in polling history, that's not Joe's on a podcast and he's throwing out hyperbole. It's true. You go all the way back to Harry S. Truman, all the way through Trump, and Biden is lower. So I don't understand, even if you are a biased media outlet, how you could spin it for too much longer. You can't spin inflation that's nearly a 10%. You can't spin the fact that, well, I know gas prices are falling, but they're still above $4, right? And it was something like $2.30 when this president came in. It's still way too high, How do you spin what's going on in American cities skyrocketing violent crime calling exodus out of San Francisco, New York, Los Angeles? How do you spin what's happening at the border? And look, it's one thing if four million migrants are going to come in to this country illegally under this president during his first two years, it's the fentanyl that really mm-hmm. is the big story that almost no one's covering, Shannon, because it is the number one cause of death for those between the ages of 18 that and 49. That
0: is crazy. That stat to me is crazy. I saw that the other day and I thought, how in the world have we gotten to this point? And the fact that people don't even know it. And I'm in the media and cover this stuff every day. I had right. no idea the numbers were that bad.
1: And that's where it's dangerous because, Shannon, when you have opioids that are supposed to be somewhat safe, right? Oxycodone, for example, which isn't safe, right? My wife's a doctor. Trust me, you should not take that stuff. It's very addictive uh, and it could cause some big problems in a hurry. But you have kids that maybe are taking something like that to be to get high, maybe to be more awake to study for tests. Who knows? Who cares? Uh, it's wrong. But now these things are being laced with fentanyl mm-hmm. and these kids don't even know it. And then you have a parent walking into a room, a 16-year-old, got his earbuds on, face down the desk he or she is dead, right? And, and the parents can't understand what happened. I have a good kid. He was studying, you know, mm-hmm. but this is this is why this is such an important story to cover. This is why it's so important for this president to talk about this more, but he can't politically because if he does, then he has to acknowledge that there is a crisis at the border and that China is sending fentanyl to this country through Mexico and killing Americans. And that would mean he'd actually have to, I don't know, visit it, which he will not do.
0: Well, and he's had Democrats down there along the border who there they, these are their um, districts. This is their, um. is I mean, Mm -hmm. you think about, uh, yeah, Congressman Henry Cuellar, a Democrat, and others down there who have said, we need your help, Biden administration. Like, we're with you. We're on the same party. We're on the same team. But you got to acknowledge this reality. and. Uh, it's just one of those, uh, like you said, the story is such a mess. Uh, the vice president has sort of been tasked with with being a czar in this respect and handling some of the, what's going at the border, although they say she's about the getting to the root causes of what's happening at the border. How's that going? Still, I mean, <laughs> listen, vice presidents get the worst assignments. They get the kind of the intractable, unsolvable problems, I think, yeah. in a lot of administrations. They get, you know, difficult things. The border is one of those stories. And there are independent journalists um, who are doing a lot of the heavy lifting down there. Fox keeps crews down there there um, are Bill Malugin and and Casey Stegall and so many others, Griff Jenkins. I don't want to leave anybody out, but so many of our folks have gone down there and done really good reporting from the border. But there just doesn't seem to be a lot of interest. And it is these uh, these, um, independent outlets, I think, that are really um, raising a lot of interest as well. I mean, Julio Rosas, Town Hall, others who go down there, um, get their own video. They go right to where the problem is and show us what's happening.
1: In the olden days, and I think we're about the same age, 38 and a half.
0: Right. 28 and a half. half. 20 and a half. Sorry.
1: Yeah. So you never, always mm-hmm. aim lower country. <laughs> uh, when I grew up here in, in Jersey, we we had the New York stations, they were called. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you had cable, but, you know, it, CNN was a very, very new thing. You didn't quite know what that was. And there was a couple other things on there. Basically, you watched channels two, four and seven. What were they? CBS, NBC and ABC. And that's where you got your news from if you weren't reading the New York Times or the Washington Post. Now you have all these options and all these outlets. So when we talk about media bias and media suppression, yeah, with those big outlets, that's true. But there are so many other outlets that's getting the word out. It almost evens the playing field. And I remember, and I'm old enough to remember, uh, 2016, Hillary Clinton got 57 of 59 endorsements from major newspapers across the country. Mm-hmm. And that got her a concession speech and a set of state knives. In other words, all these papers said, this is how you should vote. And people are like, yeah, we really don't care what your opinion is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the media influence isn't what it used to be. And I think that's, that, that's what some people on the right who think that media is biased against them, and it is, uh, can take solace in.
0: We'll have more Live in the Bream in a moment. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters. And, what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. How does one become a media critic or columnist? Oh, boy. I mean,
1: people. the route from Jersey to here. It's a weird route, I got (laughs) to tell you. I I don't come from central casting. Uh, I, I get out of college. I started working at Time Warner. Okay. Right. Nice big company in New York. Exciting. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I would intern at night, even though I was already out of college uh, for New York One, which is a local Mm -hmm. news outlet Mm -hmm. here that's owned by Time Warner. Mm -hmm. And during the day, I worked in something called the traffic department, Mm -hmm. which means I made sure that commercials got on the air where they should. But it's an entry level position. So you take what you can get so you can get to the fun stuff, Mm -hmm. which is New York Mm -hmm. One. So I was working as a sports producer there. And I did that for a couple of years. And then. It didn't pay all that great. So then somebody said, you know what? You're really persuasive. You should try to be in sales. I know this company you could go work for and you'll get paid this and with commission you'll get this. And I'm like... Wow! Well. I'll go do that. Mm-hmm. But I still kept writing. I still had a mm-hmm. sports column for for FoxSports.com and then NBCSports.com. And I worked for a company called Quest, mm-hmm. which is called something else now. I'm not quite sure what it is. Uh, but basically, I was in IT sales, and I didn't understand anything that I was selling. I, I bring But still
0: did great at it.
1: I did. I, I always okay, made my quota. Okay. See, there you go. I got the access to the people that made the decisions, mm-hmm. and then I brought in the technical people who knew what they were talking about. Right.
0: It's a ba- yeah. I like that. The one-two punch.
1: Right. All I had to do was find the pain points, mm-hmm. and then say, "All right, you're having trouble with this or this," and now. Tell Tony here is going to explain how our technology can make this easier for you. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Eventually, that led to video conferencing sales. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, immersive big screens that if you're a CEO and you want to meet up with your counterparts or business partner in Tokyo, you don't have to fly to Tokyo. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, it's a nice... Great experience, mm-hmm. and that was with Cisco, which Pre-Zoom. is a pretty major company. What's that? Pre zoom. Pre zoom. Yeah. She so kind of needed this stuff. You needed companies to give you this technology instead of just doing it, you know, through the zoom, mm-hmm. right? Which probably put that a particular part of that, that company out of mm-hmm. business. Uh, b- but I always kept my my hand in in writing. But then sports, I was getting bored with, quite mm-hmm. frankly. I still love sports, but it felt repetitive to me after mm-hmm. a while. So then one day, I'm on a boat. I remember going from Nantucket to Martha's Vineyard, which sounds this, very elitist. Uh,
0: this sounds very fancy.
1: It does. I does, better man. do the warning. It was the fancy alert. It was the. I know. Uh, you're right. That, that's <laughs> that's not me either. I don't do the Martha's Vineyard, Nantucket thing. But the wife wanted to go, and I figured, all right, we'll we'll do it for a couple days. It's beautiful. It is. Yeah. And then I was reading Mediaite, and I'm like, you know, and. I, I, I want to do that. I, I, I see what I see on the news and everything. And I just think that we're going more and more in a direction away from Cronkite. And Tim Russert was my absolute favorite. The way he ran Meet the Press and the way he'd play back a soundbite to a, a lawmaker and said, you said this now, what's mm-hmm. changed? I, I, it was just so basic, but it, mm-hmm. it worked. And you can, you couldn't tell whether Russert was a Democrat or Republican. Peter Jennings, I was a big fan of also. I thought he'd just get a nice, straight, solid newscast. Um And then I said, "All right, I want to be a a media columnist." So I went to Danny Abrams, who I was on his show on MSNBC years ago for some sports segment, like Mm -hmm. Kobe Bryant rape trial. Uh, That's what I was on for. Oh yeah! Oh goodness, I forgot that. I'm like, "Hey, Danny, you know, I don't know if you remember me, but I'd love to write for you." And uh, he said, "All right, well, I really can't pay you." <laughs> I said, "Always starts." <laughs> yeah, I said, "All right, that's fine. I just want to, you know, dip my my feet into the water here and see what I can do." And then suddenly, I'm getting booked out of nowhere oh. on CNN, mm-hmm. on on uh, Fox News, mm-hmm. and then suddenly O'Reilly is booking me. Howie Kurtz is booking me when he was with CNN, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm getting all this exposure. And now suddenly. Other people are noticing, like The Hill. Mm-hmm. So then Jimmy Finkelstein, who was the owner of it at the times, uh, reached out to me directly and said, I'd love for you to come work for us. And I went to The Hill. So oh. now suddenly I go from the not working for anything job at Mediaite <laughs> to being on TV a lot and also not getting paid for that to going to The Hill and getting paid nicely. Mm-hmm. you know. And then eventually that led to a contributorship here at Fox News. Mm-hmm. So I think my point is for all the kids listening out there, Shannon, that if you want to get to a place in this business, sometimes you almost have to sacrifice. Oh, you do. Right? For sure. The, the free and not just interning, like even after that. Mm-hmm. Work, working for little, have that other job on the side that, mm-hmm. you know, you can support yourself with and then if you work hard enough, hopefully good things happen and, and that's where I am now. And that's why mm-hmm. every time I show up maybe on your show or on our number today, I really appreciate it cuz I remembered yeah. where I was.
0: Exactly. I think being grateful I have this little phrase I like to say to myself as the show starts, I'm looking in the camera, humbly grateful like I'm, I'm really so grateful and you, like you said it does take a lot of hard work and in this business um, my first thing was an internship too and I, overnights I was practicing law and I would hide that from my firm and really? go over and I would intern at night and weekends beg any producer photographer um, you know reporter to let me shadow them and there were people there that were so kind to me because I had no idea what I was doing and no training for it um, but they were kind to me um, I think about people like Elaine Quijano who ends up you know doing amazing things in media um, you know she did one of the vice presidential debates. That's right. Um, my buddy Sage Steele. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, CBS. Yeah. My buddy Ch Steele. Um, we were all at the station in Tampa. I had no idea what I was doing, and they were <laughs> so kind to say to me, like, "Hey, this is how this works. Here's how you track down a story. Here's how you, you know, log a tape." Um, and there are people who will help you along the way, but you got to be willing to do stuff for free, to work nights, weekends, holidays, all wow. of that kind of stuff. And and I think with enough persistence, you can really get there.
1: You were like Megyn Kelly then, who had no experience in journalism. Right. I didn't. She's working <laughs> at a lawyer. Right, and then right. she's like, kind of like with me with sports. Like, I like this, but I don't love it. Right, you know. I mean, you love mm-hmm. covering the Supreme Court. Don't get me I wrong, do. but practicing is it's all different. A totally,
0: ball different is a totally different. Is it totally different ball game? And that, and that's the thing too. For young people to be encouraged, like, you may get a degree in one thing, you may have an interest in something, but don't feel like you're a failure or you're not using that if you don't apply it exactly how everybody else has in the field. Yeah. I love my law degree and my time as a lawyer because I love covering legal issues, which is a totally different beast and a much more fun one than doing billable. Hours for every six minutes of your day on your timesheet. So
1: I just have the uh, my one regret is that I didn't figure it out sooner. Mm -hmm. But I can't be mad at you know me in my twenties for not figuring it out sooner. I really thought I would be a good sports anchor. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, and life just leads you, you know. And and if you and there's so many adventures, we never know what's coming next. Um, But working hard, having a great. You know, grateful attitude, which I had Jimmy Fallon a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, and that struck me about him too, as somebody who's very successful and had a very circuitous route to the things that he does now. Just really grateful for every he a cab driver or something, yeah, as he likes to say. Okay. Um, but he just has this enormous attitude of, of gratitude, which you have too, and and I try to maintain that too. So a life lesson for all of us. We're just we're preaching to ourselves a little bit today, too. Yeah. Some reminders along the way. And
1: hunger, by the way. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, uh, the Fox and Friends people asked me to speak to their whole staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we saw Gavin Haddon, who's the yeah. executive producer there, and he's like, can you talk to him and give him some career advice? Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're sure my career is the one you want to <laughs> do that with? So uh, one asked a question, like, you know, what's the one piece of advice that you could give me uh, to try to get ahead? And I said, never get outworked. And that's exactly. not an ego thing with
0: me. No, no, no. It's just showing up. It doesn't mean you're the smartest, the most showing talented, the yeah. most beautiful, the whatever, the most connected. You can outwork people.
1: I almost never say no to your show. Uh, I did last week because I was on vacation. Okay. Like, we
0: want you to say no for that.
1: I know, right? I almost said, send a truck to, to wherever I was. <laughs> oh,
0: I've made that mistake.
1: Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. But I'm like, you're not going to send a truck at midnight. <laughs> uh, but but uh, I always say I'm on Fox and Friends first, for instance, uh, five days a week. Woo! At 5.30 in the morning. Woo. And I've done that sometimes after doing your show yes, at 12 so whatever. appreciate it. Uh, right. Well, that's the thing. I, I, you know what? If I'm, they're like, Why do you do that show so early? Because they take clips from that and then put it on FoxNews.com. And before I know it, I see the YouTube channel, and it's got 1.6 million views. Right. I'm like, that's like four times a CNN audience. <laughs> so right. So you don't know what it'll lead to. So yeah. I, I just, I say yes to everything uh, within reason. I mean, I do have a family and yeah. everything like that. Mm-hmm. But never get outworked and mm-hmm. eventually good things will happen.
0: Great <laughs> advice. And I always tell people to don't take no for an answer. Because yes. you're going to hear it a lot. You're going to hear it a lot in your career, before your career. I mean, I still hear it now when we try to chase people for an interview and like, nope, nope, nope. That's if we can get them to respond. I yeah. mean, you know, you got to chase people down on Capitol Hill sometimes and do whatever it takes um, to try to connect with people. Um, you'll hear no a lot. If you've got a big dream, if you have a passion burning in your heart, mm. that is not the final word. You would find the one person who sees in you and will give you that chance. Um, and it may take 100 people saying, no, I got fired from my first TV job. I tell the story all the time by somebody who said book. I was the worst person they'd ever seen on TV and I would never make it in the business. So How'd you come did back that, from that hurt? I cried a lot. I'm not going to lie. I'm human. It was so <laughs> humiliating and it was awful. But I said, okay, where is he right? Because with criticism, you have to look at the reality. Well, what kind um, of criticism
1: was it, if you don't want me interrupting you? Was it constructive really spi- criticism or you well,
0: suck? He Pretty much you suck is okay. what he said to paraphrase. But I thought, you know what? I'm new to this business. I got in in a very weird way. I never, you know, took the college classes or studied. So let's go back and watch my tape. Um, What's wrong with my voice? What's wrong with my delivery? Did I have the facts right? Did I move around? Did I look like a robot? I mean... There was a lot of self-searching and realizing like, okay, am I going to let this guy be right about me? Or am I going to say, you know what? That was a good kick in the pants. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going to go be realistic with myself. Look at where I need to work and I need to improve. And I'm going to take that and use it to fuel me to the next step. So it can go two ways. It felt like a complete gut punch and it was painful and embarrassing for sure. But I thank him now. I really do. He kicked me out of the nest and it forced me to get serious about improvement and I think there's always room for improvement and so I don't think I'd be here if he hadn't fired me. I wonder
1: if and I I've never seen the old tapes. They're pretty bad probably. But, oh, okay, were <laughs> just you just trying to be like an anchor or trying to be sounding like a reporter and you weren't being yourself in other words probably you weren't being authentic.
0: Yeah. That probably. was the piece of
1: advice I got early on. Like you're trying too hard with the voice and right. everything just be yourself. And if a yeah. little Jersey accent pops up once you don't mm-hmm. worry about it. People like that stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's the Michael Jordan rule. I, I believe, uh, I don't know if this is Urban Legend or actually true, but Jordan was apparently cut from his JV basketball.
0: Team. Yes, I've heard that too. Yeah. I think it's a true story.
1: So he could have either said, All right, I'll go play, you know, baseball, mm-hmm. right, which he was pretty good at. Mm-hmm. Uh, or no, he, he used it for motivation to mm-hmm. continue to go mm-hmm. forward and become the greatest. Easily basketball player of all time. LeBron James does not. Thank you. Hmm. Not even <laughs> Controversial
0: close. opinions, career advice, <laughs> um, cat food tasting. Yeah. We get it all with Joe Conchon on this week's uh, Live in the Bream. Joe, thank you. And we'll see you again soon on the tube.
1: What's your favorite movie of all time? We said oh, about this. oh,
0: we do have to talk about movies. Um, I—that That is difficult because I have very weird taste. Okay. I mean, like, I think Saving Private Ryan is one of the best movies ever made. Agreed. Um, but I also one of my favorites of all time is Nacho Libre.
1: Nacho Libre. Nacho
0: Libre and also Napoleon Dynamite might be my all-time favorite. Really? Oh uh, yes, I have a very weird sense of humor.
1: Oh wow. Okay,
0: what about you? Because you're our movie guy. If yeah. you were a movie, what would the movie be, Jokin? That
1: ties back to what we were talking about and it would be the natural only because are oh, a good movie. It, yes, tremendous. Uh it, it was uh obviously Redford at, at his finest um, and a young Kim Basinger is in that by the way. Oh,
0: she is beautiful. Smoking.
1: Yep. Smokin'. Glenn close as well. Mm-hmm. Um but it, I I kind of it mirrors my life in the sense where Hobbs, you know, could have gotten to the majors at 22. And, you know, done very good things. And then obviously gets shot by that crazy woman. And then Mm -hmm. he's injured basically for like 18 years. Can't play. Mm -hmm. So as a 40 year old, (laughs) he finally gets to the big leagues, you know, and he finally gets to where he is and he really appreciates. And I guess it goes back to what I, I I always felt like that. That was like me. Like I didn't really make it as a media reporter until I was 40, Mm -hmm. but Hey, 40 is the new 20. It it is.
0: (laughs) And you are kicking it and killing it right now. And I don't know what it says about me that I love Napoleon dynamite so much. I don't know if I'm Pedro, if I'm Napoleon, I don't know.
1: that's funny. But
0: I do love the movie. Shawshank
1: Redemption for me all time. Mm.
0: Oh, that is a great one. Yeah. Um, I'm not Uncle Rico. I do know that. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to take solace in that. Um, Joe Concha, again, thank you. And um, thank you when you stay up late for us. And we'll see you again soon doing that.
1: This was fun. This should just be Fox News at night. Just us talking for like 45 my, minutes.
0: I mean, uh, listen, if I can get some <laughs> producers, that's going to happen one that's night. Right. In the meantime, it's live in the brain. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye.